Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend, my partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. Um, Pipe, it's July. I guess it's July when this drops. It's June right now. Um, and I, I'm kind of in a weird relationship with sports, and I want to get into that by asking, what are you currently enjoying in sports? Like... What is what is a late June, early July like sports enjoyment life look like for you? Yeah, that's uh, it. It we are entering the doldrums. I mean, I'm a baseball fan, yeah. and the Twins are competitive, yeah. so a lot of my enjoyment mm-hmm. centers around that. If they were miserable, it would be um a much shorter list of things to enjoy. Uh, but yeah. we're also we're coming off the NBA draft, which I I find drafts yeah. very enjoyable. Um, less so yeah. than I used to. Because I, you know, I used to yeah. be like, "This is franchise changing," and now I'm like, an infusion <laughs> of talent. This is fun. Um, yeah, for sure. And we're coming up on NFL <clears throat> uh, off season. You know, training camp is is like a month away, et cetera. So yeah, it's kind of this in between. I have a few very specific things that are bringing me great enjoyment right now, though. Um, Dude, I would love to hear about them. What are? Have they? you encountered a gentleman in Major League Baseball named Spencer Strider? Dude, I haven't, but that's a dude, that's a tier one name. That's an elite name. Here here's been my issue with baseball. Like I've had trouble getting going with it this year. In part because the Mariners suck, but in part because watching a Mariners game in June is like just scrolling progressive Twitter. Like you're just getting a sermon <laughs> and it's not fun. And I'm like, how about I skip June and check in on you guys in July? That that seems nice. So like I've had trouble getting there with the the Mariners. I'm I'm enjoying a lot of CFL, and every June the CFL kind of like slides into the DMs of my life and is like, "Hey, how you doing? You know, you you good? We okay?" And uh, I'm like, "Oh yeah, CFL's back." So I've I've been really enjoying that. But uh, that's about it. But tell me about Spencer Strider. That sounds okay. So so the the quickest way to catch up on Spencer Strider, kind of his his whole sort of vibe and ethos is to go yeah. uh i realize you're not on social media but i think you have secret access yeah. to these things um yeah go From find the, pi- the pitching ninja account either on instagram or yeah. twitter and look yeah. for it a, a a guy pitching for the atlanta braves who looks like a slightly shorter muscled up version of 1990s john smoltz so <laughs> mustache he wears his uniform like they did in the 90s and he's got yeah. quads for days He's he's probably Holy like, crap, dude. I'm looking at this guy now. You're yeah, right. He's, he's probably like 5'10", 5'11", throws yeah. absolute heat and a slider that, yeah. you know, makes people's knees crumble. And uh oh, and when he strikes somebody out, he has this awesome like his his pitching motion goes straight into like a pivot swagger. Oh, and dude, I just love like, that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Yes. In our athlete actions draft. So that could be uh that could be one of them. But and he's filthy. Like he's he's striking out like fourteen guys per nine innings or something like that right now. But anyway, wow. watching Spencer Strider highlights and pitch. I don't watch a lot of Braves games, but uh, they've always yeah. kind of been my my backup team because I have a lot yeah. of family in Georgia. The Twins are my team team, but the Braves were so sure, I was sure. keeping an eye on them. He has been an absolute joy because he's a rookie. He's filthy. Yeah. He's got swagger, uh, and he and he looks like he belongs in 1997. Dude, that's fantastic. That hits a lot of like the criteria that I'm I'm looking for in an enjoyable baseball player, for sure. Pipe, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we can talk about more sports enjoyment. I've got a couple of NBA Finals things that I want to run by you. And then we're going to draft our favorite athlete actions, like things that athletes do that we uh, are either currently enjoying or have enjoyed over the years. So let's take a break. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... 
Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, Pipe, we're back. What else are you enjoying in sports right now? Anything we haven't covered? Um, yeah, two, a couple quick things. One is yeah. uh, Byron Buxton has been healthy for the Twins for most of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had to manage his games and whatever, but like he hasn't missed 20 straight games, which is the norm. Yeah. And uh, he is he's the most exciting player uh, in Twins for the Twins maybe since Kirby Puckett, maybe more so than that because he's a different kind of athlete. So yeah. really enjoyed the odds of me watching him are like two out of three when I turn on a twins game, which is way better than any previous season. And then yeah. the last thing is just a category. There is okay. so much young talent in sports. The NBA has a ton yeah, of young stars. The NFL mm-hmm. has a ton of young stars, especially at quarterback, which is great because yeah. the more quarterbacks are good, the better football is across the board. But I mean, at, right. at, a, at a ton of positions. Yeah. And then baseball has a ton of young stars. You know, there's like Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera are on their way out. But like Ronald Acuna and uh, and all these guys who are, who are you know, second, third, fourth year players are decent. So it just, it feels like sports are in good hands. Like we've got another decade yeah. of excitement with these young guys. So that generally makes me happy because I just like watching yeah. sports be good and exciting and young talent is fun. Dude, that's an interesting perspective, and I like that. Because you're a uh, one old thing man, I, and you're like, I want to watch the old guys play. Dude, no, I am, but I'm like, I'm drawn in by the young guys, and I'm drawn in from time to time when there's a young guy whose approach or aesthetic or play style or whatever um, kind of does it for me. And I like it when there's like the chance of that happening in a whole bunch of different spots, for sure. See, young, um, young talent in baseball stands out to me more than the other sports because, like, basketball always has flashy rookies. You know, there's, yeah. there's like, there's eras of stars and whatever, but, like, bas- young guys yeah. are always overrated in basketball but still fun to watch. Totally. Young guys in yeah. football, like, football has such short career spans that, like, a young guy yeah. is a star. If you're 24 and you're yeah. good, you're a star. Baseball yeah. is is different because, like, Young guys come in and they they all remind us of old guys, but they do things in kind yeah. of a new way, or they they bring mm-hmm. something extra to the game, or there's a different flair. They bring personality, so I feel like young yeah. stars in baseball stand out more. Also, baseball is the sport that everybody—not everybody—that's an exaggeration. There has there has long been talk of like, oh, baseball's in decline. Nobody cares about baseball, yada yada. And I'm like, there's a yeah. bunch of like 23 year olds just chewing this game up right now. It's I, I think yeah. it's going to be okay. The kids are all right. I think it's harder to be a young star in baseball too. And and this isn't to like devolve into an argument about which sport's the hardest. I mean, football is the hardest on your body. I think we would all agree with that. But as far as like, and, and this is in some sense born of watching the Mariners year after year and having them continually have these quote unquote can't miss prospects that either miss or just become mediocre. And, you know, it's given me a respect for how hard it is to be truly a young star in baseball, you know? And and we kind of caught it with Kyle Lewis last year, but he's, you know, basically been hurt ever since. We didn't catch it with Kelnick. It remains to be seen on some of the young arms that we have if they're going to actually pop. But, like, but then you it's got tough, Julio Rodriguez, you know? who is yeah. a power speed phenom, and it's like he... He came up as one of the top one or two prospects in baseball, and he he has looked it. And what is he like nineteen? Totally. Yeah, he's like twenty, and you watch him, and you're like, yeah, I see it. You know, I, I I see what everybody else saw, obviously, and it's it's translating, you know, in a way that it hasn't yet for Kelnick. But like, I, I guess while I am curmudgeonly, there's a kind of eternally optimistic streak in me that goes. I want to see Kelnick put it together. You know, I want to see him come back at like 24 and like stick it up everybody's rear, you know? And I, I always kind of eternally root for that. When, and I think baseball, it can be a figure it out later in life type sport. Yes. Like your emotions change and your, your 
approach to life changes and maybe you can figure it out, you know? Well, and, and baseball is not a sport that uh, that being a supreme athlete necessarily means you're going to be good. Like if you're a supreme athlete in football, yeah, you, you have to you have to sabotage yourself not to be good. Sure. You know, yeah. Baseball is not like that. It's a it, it's it's a technique game. It's a you know, so mm-hmm. you see these guys who like being an athlete worked for them all the way up to double or triple A. They get called up to the majors and they strike out three out of every four at bats for their first you yeah. know, three weeks and they get sent back down. And what almost always happens is either the game sort of slows down for them and they just start to recognize things more or they stop doing things the way they've always done it. And they learn a new way to do things, new swing techniques, new, whatever, you know, batting stance and it clicks. So yeah, Yeah. a 24 year old in baseball can be, you can be like star prospect stinks for two years, figure something out and goes on to have a 10 year career happens all the time. Yeah. And it's, and it's awesome when it happens. Like it's fun to see those guys figure it out. Oh, totally. Yeah. And you root for that. And I, I think to me, that's what makes baseball a little bit more interesting than in this way than than basketball or even football like there's a there's a sense in football you give a prospect a couple of years and you kind of know and in fact like people at the highest level have talked about like you can you can tell within a week of training camp if a prospect is going to be the guy and like players talk about this right so they'll welcome a first round pick onto a team and see the guy in pads for a week and kind of they'll know if he's got it or if he doesn't. And, um, you know, it's just not true of baseball. Uh, I, the think, development I think basketball is actually different. more similar to baseball in that way. You know, football, you see guys mm-hmm. progress, you know, especially like yeah. quarterbacks, receivers, these guys who are like, they fine tune their game. They pick up different things, but basketball yeah. is one, especially now because guys are coming into the league. You know, I think when guys were drafted as juniors and seniors in college, you kind of yeah. got what you got. Their, their game had a yeah. certain, but those first, like between the ages of like 19 and 22 or 23, that refinement, yeah. like, so I'm, as a Timberwolves fan, I get to watch Anthony Edwards play and yeah. Edwards came into the league and he was better than a lot of people thought he was going to be pretty quick, but super raw. Mm-hmm. And then his second year, you start to see some refinement to his game, the way that he reads the defense, the way that he slowed down, the way he sets guys up, his jumper improved. And it's a little bit like watching a guy make swing adjustments in baseball where you're like, oh, there's a there's a, a technique difference. There's a, you know, you can tell he's worked on that particular skill set. And, you know, yeah. even like Steph Curry, you remember in the first his first couple of years in the league, like tons of ankle injuries, good, great shooter, yeah. but not a high volume shooter. He he really yeah. learned how to run to protect his yeah. body. And then became yeah. the guy who has now sort of revolutionized the game in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm actually, I'm glad you mentioned Steph Curry. So I was in Vegas a month ago. And when I was in Vegas, the NBA finals were happening. And then I feel like the NBA finals got over like three days ago. So it took like a month and I didn't care. I haven't cared for a long time. My question is, did you care? And did you do you care about Steph Curry and the Warriors thing at all? Like, because I, I know people who <laughs> super care about it, and I can't understand why they do. Um, where are you at on that? I feel like my relationship with basketball has gotten very polarized. You know, there was a mm-hmm. there was a long period of time where I kind of cared about everything. I cared about arguing yeah. about legacies. I cared about who was sure. the best right now. I cared about every young player coming up. And I, I kind of generally care about the league, but I care about it a lot more in terms of like, Where's the league going? Who are the yeah? Who are the kind of strata of players? These stars, these stars, the young and up and comer guys. I care about it from like a legacy standpoint. So I care a lot about mm-hmm. Steph in the sense of like when they do a top one fifty because the league has yeah. been around for hundred and fifty years. Where is he going to fall? That kind of thing. Yeah, not the arguments, but just like he. This man changed basketball. He changed how basketball yeah, is played by so. eight-year-olds and eighteen-year-olds yeah. and twenty-eight-year-olds. He he mm-hmm. broke he broke the backbone of like old-school basketball. Um, yeah, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like he kind of broke the chains off. So yeah, I care about that. Uh, I also watched yeah. like four minutes of the finals, um, and so I like I, the series did not intrigue me at all. I just yeah, a I I hate the Celtics. I just 
Yeah. Ever since Kevin Garnett stopped being on, I didn't care about them before that. I cared yeah. about them while he was there because he remains my favorite player ever. And yeah. then I just dislike them strongly beyond that. I don't like mm. watching them play. I don't like they just the whole vibe of the Celtics annoys me. And uh, <laughs> which is weird because they have they have really fun players on that team. And yeah, and and a good young coach who, you know, stepped in for Brad Stevens and they, they seemed like a smart organization and I hate them. Yeah. Like, I, I couldn't explain it. It's just one of those irrational, like gross. I don't want to be around them kinds of things. Dude, to me, like the the irrational hate thing with the NBA Finals is it takes so long. Like, why does it take a month to play a, a seven-game series or in some cases a four-game series or what? It just takes forever. And, like, I lose track of the fact that it's still going, but I'll, like, pop open my ESPN app on the on TV to watch a CFL game, and they're, like, they're hyping up game five of the NBA Finals. And I was like, oh, that... This was going on a month ago when I was in Vegas. It's I guess it's still going. Yeah. You know, and look the 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 whole NBA timetable in general makes no sense to me. So in the way that the NFL kind of elegantly spaces out all the stimulus, it's like the NBA finals happens. It's like, "Oh, hurry up and have the draft." You know, so like 2 days later you're having the draft. 2 days later summer league starts. So the kids that just got drafted, like you're seeing them in the uniform in some uh, half-empty arena playing summer league games. And I have, I have thoughts on summer league, too. We'll get back to that. But, like, I just don't get the NBA timetable as opposed to the NFL timetable, I guess, is what I'm saying. Well, I, I think the NBA has just has been AAU-ized to, to create mm, it. In the interesting. Certain, in, like, you know, when we, when we were growing up, again, I'm going to go full old grumpy guy here. When we were growing up, every sport sure. had a season, you know? It was yeah. the weird kid who played like indoor soccer in the winter, sure. which I, I sure. in certain parts of the country would have been outdoor soccer. I grew up in Minnesota. Like yeah. you had to be like kind of a psycho to do your sport in the off season. Everybody else was like, yeah, fall is football season or soccer season. Uh, winter is yeah. basketball season. Spring is baseball season. Maybe, maybe you're on a, on a, you know, pony league or whatever team that extends through the summer, <clears throat> but then it ends in time yeah. for football practice to start. And so you could legitimately yeah. play three sports and and just rotate from one to the next. And now yeah. basket basketball I think and soccer were the first two that became year-round sports and the NBA just kind of follows that and then they also got into what they call the science which I don't know how scientific it is where they're like player rest, yeah. you know, we need, the the finals yeah. go longer because the, these guys need more time for travel between games and I'm like Elgin Baylor would spit on you. But uh Oh exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so there's but also it it's it just kind of the way it is right now it does the NFL season will always hold a particular place in my heart because of the intensity of every action like every yeah. or every competition there are well yeah. now 17 and then yeah. every everything feels single elimination you know yeah. And sure. the N- the NBA just lasts forever, and you're like, you lose a playoff game, you're like, man, I don't know, you got a bunch more chances to to turn this thing around. They used to have five game yeah. series that when then seven later on, and so forth. And everything's a seven yeah. game series now, so it it's the shift in it, but also it's like it, it feels more like baseball now in the sense of like, eh, only the last quarter of the season matters for the standings is what it feels like, yeah. and then the playoffs kind of last forever. Yeah, and there's like no sense even of when it starts. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just I vaguely get this sense like mid fall, like, oh, the NBA is starting. But I, I couldn't tell you even within a month when that actually is, um, because the whole thing is just like this blob of it's kind of always in your life at a low level. Um, now, I can remember back when there was like a year or two that I got really into summer league for some reason. And like ESPN three was carrying it and I would watch it. And, like, they were playing outside. Like, they were playing outside in, like, practice jerseys. And I think I was interested in it because I'm interested in, like, philosophically the idea of which games matter and which games don't. Like, a game mattering. Like, deciding that a game matters and who it matters to has always been, like, a really interesting thing for me. So the fact that ESPN was carrying, like, the Las Vegas Summer League and they were playing on, like an outdoor court in front of 12 people. I'm like, this is, this is interesting for some reason, you know? Um, and what makes this game 
matter more or less than like uh i don't know like like bulls pistons in november in front of 6000 bored people you know uh i don't know does that move the needle for you at all it does and you know mattering has always been a matter of scarcity to some degree you know like yeah we we've talked about this on our on our regular podcast like christmas feels less important to me now because christmas season starts in in september you know like yeah, it's just that's right th- th- there's not scarcity anymore you're like oh it's a season it's not a day yeah. or a week or whatever yeah and and exactly. basketball feels a little bit like that and there is more coverage of the off season than the season in a lot of ways you sure know? nba draft coverage and you know nba free agency is about to kick off right now and like there's going to be so mm-hmm. much drama it's it's a it's it's soap opera ish which on the one hand yeah a lot of fun it's dude soap opera uh but on yeah. the other hand it's like there's so much hype about you know was this a good trade return value for Kyrie Irving the the answer <laughs> is uh yes if you got anything for Kyrie Irving you came out ahead but um <laughs> exactly and then all of us like then you get to the season and you're like all of that energy amounted to some players moving around league power structure didn't change that much the stars are the stars and and so yeah. there's just it is this sort of endless like forcing hype is kind of what it feels like no, totally. Um, Pipe, let's talk about some things that are real. Uh, when we come back after the break, we're going to draft our favorite athlete actions. So we're going to take a break, and then I'm going to have you explain this to me, and we'll see if I did it right. But I'm uh, excited to get into this. We'll be back. All right, Pipe. So you floated this idea out via text last night, I guess. And it was the idea of drafting certain specific actions that athletes do that we enjoy, that we think are cool, that we like watching. Um, I was immediately on board with this. I think without even really understanding what I was supposed to do, but I was on board with the idea of it. So uh, give us like a sentence of setup and then we'll give you the number one pick overall to kick off this draft of athlete actions. Okay. Um, So yeah, the, the idea here is I was, I, I was watching uh I was watching the Twins the last couple nights and uh Byron Buxton has tripled in back-to-back games. And yeah. a triple is always exciting. He watching Byron Buxton hit the gas going from first to third is one mm. of the most enjoyable actions in sports to me. <laughs> so Oh dude, I love it. That yeah. was that was kind of where I that's where this idea came from. I was like, man, what else do I enjoy watching? Like watching Byron mm-hmm. Buxton go first to third. And I started to kind of come yeah. up with the list. So you could go two ways with this. One is an yeah. action that lots of athletes do and you just love to see it on the field. Like yeah. when an athlete does X, it's just blows my mind. Or yeah. particular athletes doing a particular thing, you know. Bucks yeah. and going first to third. I'm not going to give a bunch of other examples because I don't want to accidentally rob you of your picks. So that's the setup yeah. is what are very particular things that happen on the field, the court, whatever that you go, Oh yeah. that that action. That's the thing. Dude. I love it. We're going to have, we're going to have very different things because mine, I went more kind of cultural with this, but the spirit is the same. Like these are things I really enjoy. These are things that to me make sports better, make mm-hmm. sports interesting, give, sports figures personalities so yeah we're gonna we're gonna enjoy this and we'll go as as long as we need to to cover all of them so uh piper you're on the clock uh you're at the podium to announce round one pick one athlete actions draft what do you got oh man this is this is uh tough because I feel like there's so many right answers. There's a loaded draft. Let's put it that way. There's, there's yeah, many, absolutely. There's many options. A lot of pressure with number one overall. Yeah, you know? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with an old reliable because I feel like you can't miss with your first pick. You know, there there has to yeah. be total steadiness. And I'm simply gonna say spin moves. Yeah, spin moves are so fun, dude. And and here's yeah. the great thing about spin moves, they, they 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 are in multiple sports. Yeah, and when they work. The defender looks like an absolute <laughs> fool. So you think about yeah. a great pass rusher, just putting yeah. someone in the blender. You think Dwight about, Freeney. Yes. Yeah, Dwight Freeney, the blender. You know. You think about yeah, a, great. a running back who who just yep. loses a guy in the open field. You think about a guy playing low post in basketball and just leaving the defender yep. waving at air or driving to the hoop. 
uh, soccer players, yeah. you know, I don't think they call them spin moves because they call some everything. They they probably have some goofy British name for it, but yeah, it's always exciting when it goes right. So first action, like athlete action that I'm going to take is the spin move. Dude, I'm going to say a thing for you because this guy was a Minnesota athlete, but also for all of our listeners who are like north of 60 years old, Vikings running back Chuck Foreman. Yes. King of the spin move. He was the first in the like NFL films era. So in the era of like slow-mos and replays and really the the TV NFL era in like the 70s to popularize the spin move and and he was the first king of it. So shout out Chuck Foreman. So Chuck, uh, quick Vikings Chuck Foreman legend. story. Uh, I used m- yeah. one of my first jobs in high school was working at a place called Nick Sports World, which no longer exists. It was like <laughs> that it was sounds a like an amazing it job. It was a Minnesota pro shop right downtown Minneapolis. So kind of. Love it. A few blocks from the Metrodome. And so periodically, Vikings, athletes, you know, Carl Eller and Chuck Foreman being the two foremost would come in uh, to the shop, either to do signings or just to swing in. Chuck Foreman, though, would come in and we would have, we had a rack of eight by 10 glossies of various athletes. He would come in and buy a stack of his own to sign. That's phenomenal. And carry around with him to give out to people as, as, see, I love that. So, yeah, yeah, I love that. He, That's so good. He remained uh, he remained exciting all the way into his deep into his retirement. Dude, you know what we should do? We should do a whole episode on like weird jobs that we've had in sports and like the stories <laughs> that we've collected as a result. And honestly, we sh- we should have maybe done this this week because one of my weird sports jobs was I worked as a ball boy for the Colts when I was in high school, and it was when Tony Siragusa was like early career. And he was so funny and so vicious. He was vicious to me, but in a cool way. Um, yeah, we got to do a whole app on this. And um, I, I would enjoy it because I, I, I have lots of questions about your, uh, your, your job at this place because it sounds amazing. Um, but I'm going to go to the podium pipe. I'm going to run my card up. Uh, I'm going to make the first pick. This one, in a similar vein, I feel like it always delivers. Like early career, mid career, this guy, late career, this guy, this aspect of his game always delivered. It's Mike Tyson ring walks. Give me a Tyson ring walk. Yes. You know, if I if yeah. I can watch like ninety seconds of something on YouTube and I just need like a little pick me up, if I'm bored at work, if I'm discouraged, give me a little Tyson ring walk, the slit towel, the black shoes, black shorts, the way that he would he would walk to like a public enemy song. I always liked the song like early career. It was public enemy late career. It was DMX always liked it. He would, he would come in and he would walk right by his opponent and like stare him in the face. And nine times out of 10, he won the fight right there. Um, I'm a big Tyson ring walk guy. I feel like it's a safe first pick. This is like taking Peyton Manning instead of Ryan leaf. Uh, whatever year that was. Tyson Ringwalk never disappoints. It's my first round athlete action thing pick. Yeah, that's um, that's a great one because it it's uh it's like a setup for everything that follows. You know? Yeah. Like if if he had if he had so like Tyson wouldn't have been the same fighter and presence without that. Even though he yeah. didn't actually fight at all while doing that. I I kind of love that. No, I love it too and like especially in contrast to I don't know if you've watched like a big heavyweight pay-per-view in like the last five years, but the ring walks are ridiculous. They're like choreographed Broadway shows with like costumes and like secondary characters. And they're so stupid, dude. They're so dumb. Like Deontay Wilder, it takes him like 15 minutes to get into the ring. Even Tyson Fury, who I like, same deal. And give me a Tyson ring walk. Dude, Tyson was practically running to the ring. Like, he couldn't wait to get in there and, like, rip your face off. And uh, to me, that's what a fighter should be. Um, It was everything that was great about boxing in that era. Um, All right, second rounders, Pipe. We can find a lot of value here. A lot of superstars come out of the second round. What do you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm, again, I'm going to go with a, this is a particular kind of play. So it's, it's not, uh, it's not a particular athlete, although I can think of particular athletes who do it well it is the diving stop deep behind third Mm -hmm. base 
usually like, oh, like, I like foul that. territory where you can you know yes the diving stop and then the throw across mm-hmm. the diamond that's like a 400 foot throw to get the guy at first so the, the dude that's deep a diving stop behind third that play is is never not just a work of art no yeah it's the kind of play that you see it whether you're at a double a minor league game or a major league game you see it and you're like oh my gosh that's one of the most athletic things i've ever seen in my life you know, and it's it's less sort of devastatingly athletic than like a Jordan dunk or I don't know some somebody like flying over the pile to score a touchdown, but it's beautiful in its own way. You and know, I went for for uh, for Father's Day. Uh, my wife and kids got me tickets to the Nashville Sounds uh, a couple weeks ago, and so we went. And so it's a Triple A team. Most of these guys will never never make the major leagues. And what you realize about plays like that is that. You know, when you watch, you know, you watch Michael Jordan or LeBron James or whatever, you're like, oh, normal people can't do that. Normal people can play catch. Yeah. We've all played catch. So then you watch a guy make a play like that or even just a normal throw from third and you're like, normal people cannot do that. That's a long throw. And he puts it right on that guy's glove every single time. Then you get, you know, the athleticism of the player. It it feels even more spectacular because it's something you almost think you could do. And then you watch it up close and and there's there is no chance. Well, you watch it up close and then you go home and you realize, like, I can't hit the glove of my son from like 30 feet consistently. Like, I can't just I can't put it on him with any kind of. Yeah, with any kind of consistency. And yeah, I, I think to your point, one of the things I love the most about pro sports is the moment where you realize these guys are so different. They're so special. They're the best in the world at what they do. Like NBA warmups was like that for me. So like I was, when I was writing NBA stuff in the early two thousands, like I would get there super early and just watch them do shoot arounds and, and all that stuff. And like without a guy in their face, they would almost never miss. Yeah. And I'm just like, this even is the amazing. lousy shooters like JaVale McGee yeah. hits like 20 out of 25 from the corner threes. And that guy can't shoot for, to save his life. Oh, I know it's ridiculous, dude. And you're just like in awe of how good these guys are, which is a super fun way to feel. It feels really pure. Um, all right. I'm going, I'm going kind of cultural for my second one. I'm going kind of curmudgeonly old man on this one. Um, but it, but I'm going to put a positive twist on it. My second round draft pick is any Belichick press conference. I like this. Uh, I like a Belichick presser. Here's why. Um, for decades, athletes and coaches and sports people have been complaining about the media. And like an athlete complaining about the media is boring. Like it's a lazy take. It's stupid. It doesn't take into account the role that the media plays. But Belichick has gone meta in terms of complaining about the media by just turning the presser into like Belichick performance art. Um, he's so dismissive. He's so petty. Every once in a while, somebody asks him a good question and he gets like professorial and he'll, he'll go 25 minutes on fullbacks or like special teams play or some amazing thing that he cares about. The Belichick press conference to me is a reminder that like a coach can be non-robotic and have a personality. And I think it makes the NFL better and I enjoy it. It's my second round pick. Belichick pressers. Where are you at? Uh, that's a very Belichickian draft pick as well. You know, the, the guy who <laughs> Belichick is known for just like finding a guy that he wants on his team and he just picks him regardless of you know, kind of what the draft board consensus. say. Yeah, yeah, consensus does not matter. That's a little bit how I feel about uh, about that pick. It's, I think yeah. it fits your team really well. You you knew exactly what you wanted. Yeah. You targeted him. You you know you didn't have to move up in the draft for him, so you didn't give up anything extra. And uh, yeah, I would I would rate the pick as inconsistent, but really high. <laughs> yeah, dude, totally. So like, if if I'm this team, like I'm loving my team so far. Like, if my team is just Tyson Ringwalks and Belichick pressers, like, I'm in love with my team. I don't know if the world does. I don't know if it's a winning team, but um, I'm really happy with my draft so far. But I agree. This is like the, this is the Cole Strange of, um, <laughs> of this exercise. Like, I really love the player, but I don't know if anyone else does. Uh, pipe third round. Who you got? 
Uh, third round, this is a very specific thing by a very specific athlete. And it, yeah, was, it was watching Randy Moss get on top of a defensive back while that, that guy didn't mm. even realize Randy Moss was running. Yeah, so I love it. You know, Moss hesitates off the line. He he breaks downfield, and he looks like he's jogging. And then, so the defensive back is still backpedaling, and then Moss is three steps behind him before he can flip his hips and run with him, because Moss's extra gear was unlike anything I have ever seen, and it never looked like an extra gear. It just he just was faster. And so that, because, yeah. and the best thing about that moment was the anticipation of, oh, here comes the throw. Like Culpepper's going to find yeah. him. Cunningham's going to find him. Any of those crappy Vikings, Gus Farad or Jeff George or Brad Johnson, <laughs> yeah. they're all going to find him because the yeah. moment he, the moment that guy fails to turn and run with him, it's 40 yards, yeah. 50 yards, 60 yards down the field. And so that, that particular action of him getting on top of, a, a defensive back is my third round pick. Dude, I'm so glad you brought this up because part of my summer and part of what I'm enjoying about sports, I should have mentioned this up top. I've been watching a lot of 2009 Vikings because I think I wanted to watch like Steve Hutchinson or somebody very specific. So like I dialed up a bunch of two, 2009 Vikings, which was late career Favre. I know you hate Favre, but uh, late career Randy Moss like second time around, Randy Moss with the Vikings, still a stud, still really good at what you just described. And I watched this game, they were playing the Jets, and the announcers are falling all over themselves for three quarters about how like, oh, Cromarty, he's such an athlete. He's locking down Randy Moss for three quarters, and then Moss just goes bananas in the fourth quarter. And he makes like two or three highlight-type plays. I... I know you don't like Favre, but but Favre was really fun. Like Favre made the NFL better. This is late career, you know, running around, flipping the ball still down yeah. the field, fifty yards, like elite arm talent. Favre, oh, I hate Brett. finding Moss. I hate Brett Favre, yeah. but I loved to hate Brett Favre. Like, sure, I the yeah. NFL was definitively f- more fun with him than without him. I just he was he was such a great villain. Like just one of the most yeah. unlikable villains of all time. The problem was when he had to be yeah. on my team, I was very uncomfortable with this. But yeah, he 100% agree with with yeah, he made the game more fun. Well, and he had a personality. Like unlike all these robots that you have now and and you know these kids who like get two and a half years into their first contract and they want to renegotiate. It's annoying. But uh but yeah, 2009 Vikings, Favre Moss doing the things that you have described. Um, really, really fun stuff, for sure. Um, all right, third round. I got to open my notes here. Okay, this is another kind of old man thing, but it, but it dovetails with a thing that I just genuinely loved. And I had to get a Walter Payton thing in here. My third round pick is Walter Payton, touchdown non-reactions. So Payton would do... An incredible thing. Like he would fly over a huge mass of humanity and tumble into the end zone, or he would like um I don't know, just run twelve yards to the pylon and get there before everybody else, or he'd run somebody over. Peyton was my favorite player of all time, by the way. Um and then he'd get in there and he would just flip the ball to the referee very nonchalantly. Or he'd give it to like one of his linemen to spike it. And Peyton played on garbage teams. For the first eight years of his career, probably, the Bears didn't get good until 84. And in 87, Peyton retired. So, yeah, about year one through year eight, he was just on trash teams, <laughs> playing behind trash offensive lines. Yeah, And he was just a stud and a classy guy. And I like how he handled it when he got in the end zone. It's my third round pick. So again, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of, and we'll have to think about how we stacked our draft boards here. Like if I had to watch YouTubes of like only these things for the rest of my life, uh-huh. it would be really satisfying because yes. I'd get the touchdown and then I'd get the non-reaction and I'd get the Tyson ring walks. I'd get some Belichick pressers. I could kind of live on YouTubes of that stuff for the rest of my sports watching life if I had to. So Peyton... Peyton scoring touchdowns and then not reacting. That's my round three pick. 
See, and I think I think there's bonus added value to that pick because um, if on the YouTube scale, it means you're watching a lot of Walter Payton highlights and touchdowns, which is great. You you yeah. also, I think you might actually get a two for one pick here because I think it also goes with the Barry Sanders non reactions. Totally. So which I loved. You're, also, you're, you're a few years older than me. I didn't watch a lot of Walter Payton. I watched a ton of yeah. Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders was my yeah. favorite player uh, pre pre Randy Moss. Um, sure. And and he was the same way. Yeah. And and yeah. Insane. Did something insane in the field. Gets to the end zone and just hands the ball to the ref. And I remember the commentators were always like, "See, kids, that's how you do it." And I was, I was like, "Oh, shut up!" But then at the <laughs> yeah, same time, I know like, it was the most like yeah bad a move you could do where you were just like i'm definitively better than you and i'm just doing my job right and i'm not even that excited about it i'm not dancing around i'm not saying look at me look at me look at me yeah Yeah, it was was an awesome move i couldn't figure out how to get barry sanders onto my draft board because he didn't have a specific i mean spin moves was close because he did a lot of those but like he didn't have a specific action kind of like walter payton it wasn't like one thing it was just like nah he just did everything and was better than everybody everything else. dude Peyton blocking yeah like in pass pro i could watch youtubes of that for an hour and a half I yeah mean, just really literally anything that guy did was amazing um, i right, got two more rounds all right, fourth round what's that you want to do what two more rounds or are we just going to keep going for a little while what, what are we doing here let's do a few more okay. let's do two or three more yeah. we can go faster because I'm, I'm taking kind of a swing with my fourth okay. rounder um and i want to i want to hear yours though who you got um this is another uh, this is another kind of general action. It's, so it's it's not quite as specific as spin moves, but you will be able to picture it in your yeah. mind. It is the the cutback run in football. Love it. So finding it. the crease, all of the yeah. action, the blocking, everything is going one way, and the running back cuts it back, cuts it upfield, finds that crease, and takes off. Um, Dude, Robert Smith, former Viking, yes. great cutback runner. Yeah, yeah, and and that Super was like that was watch. the only kind of running he was good at. Like he he wasn't a, he wasn't a great <laughs> yeah. between the tackles runner, but like when there was a crease, all yeah. of a sudden he's got like these these long like stallion esque strides down the field. Uh, Dalvin Cook, yeah, and like the kind of running back. The so. announcers like he's a slasher, you know. Yeah, I love slasher as a as a term of endearment for running backs. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, this is good. The, the the ones that I remember the when I remember watching this and going oh this is a science not just a great running back was the uh, Peyton Manning Edger and James Colts where they oh loved gosh, to run dude. that Edge stretch so play good. and yep. you know and Manning was slow as all get out but he could get out there and reach that handoff where like he's handing it off yep. outside the tackles and then Edge wasn't fast but yeah such great balance and such great vision. And he would find that crease and get upfield. And I remember, I remember watching uh, a game where they showed a statistic, and it was like runs between eight and fifteen yards. And he led the yeah. league by like a factor of three. So he didn't break a lot of a Dude. lot of long ones, but just yeah. chewed up the yardage. And uh, so yeah, the the cutback run or that finding the crease that's my that's my next pick. Oh my gosh, dude! I loved Edger and James. What a cool athlete! Yes. What a fun guy to watch play. He looked amazing in the uniform. So he's in the like look great in the uniform pantheon. He had an aesthetic that like when you when you were looking at him, you knew you were looking at Edger and James. Um and just the way that he played, yeah, not glamorous, not Barry Sanders esque, but like perfect for that offense. And they would then they would play action off of it and they'd hit like the thirty yard over route to Marvin Harrison and um it was just like clockwork that offense. So fun to watch. Um, but yeah, he was the he was kind of the the cutback runner of cutback runners. Um, all right, fourth rounds. This is another thing that like I really enjoyed watching it in real time. It harkens back to an era when sports were a little more understated, especially basketball. Um, and it's a thing that I've incorporated into my pickup game to great like enjoyment of other people. And it's funny when I do this because I suck and everybody knows I suck. So it's a funny thing when I do it. It's the Jordan shrug. <laughs> so like Jordan hits a three or it's like it. a, a really important shot. And then he, he, he's running back up the floor to play defense and he shrugs at like the scores table. I love doing this. I love doing it in pickup. I love when Jordan does it. It in 
again, like being a kid in the 90s and watching him do this before like my frontal lobe was fully formed and before I became like a, a, a pretty high-end communicator myself, that communicated something very important to me and it was, it was derisive without being over the top. I mean, this wasn't analogous to like people trash talking. Yeah, like, you, trash you can't get a technical was a, file for that, but you can make somebody feel like an absolute fool. Exactly. And it, and it really, it hit me at a level that like you could still defend it as classy, but you knew it was, it was real petty. It was real cutting. Only he could really do it earnestly because he was the best in the sport. Like if, like if, if John Starks had tried to do the shrug, it would come off as really stupid. Um, but when Jordan did it, it was amazing. Um, round four, I got the Jordan shrug. High upside pick there, I think. Well, yeah, and I'm going for traits now. And this you know? is this is the first one that you've picked that I well it well it goes it kind of goes along with the Walter Payton thing. Athletes at their yeah. best doing something subtle that absolutely yeah. just shuts the other team down. But there's there's a, it's the first like I would say truly sublime pick you've had where you're like yeah there's just yeah mm, there's something about that. Yeah, there is. And it, and it again, it like I stacked my board kind of on the YouTube test. Like it 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 makes the Desert Island like YouTube list for me if I if I had to watch certain things, this would be on it. Uh all right, fifth round pipe. Who you got? So I think this is going to be my Belichickian pick where it's like this one's on my board. I don't really care what anybody else yeah. thinks. Um <clears throat> yeah. and it's a homer pick and it is the Kevin Garnett pick and pop from the elbow. Um, oh, I love it. Just, you just don't see it anymore. No, you don't yeah, see it anymore. You just don't see it. it was, he was never an elite scorer because he, he just uh-huh. that wasn't what he focused on. But that was, that was just an unstoppable move by him. You know, that the mid-range pick and pop. He and Terrell Brandon ran yeah. it so well. Uh, and, and just when he would rise up for that jumper from like 17 feet at the elbow, it just, it's almost zen. There's the, the smoothness. Yeah. The the gathering, oh. the fact that he was 18 inches higher than everybody else on the court when he released that shot, and then just watching it drain. I mean, he he hit those at a great rate. And uh, yeah, just, it's, KG's another athlete where you're like, I couldn't pick a particular action because he did everything. Great passer, yeah. great defender, great team basketball player. But the KG pick and pop is just, there. there's just a, there's a serenity in it. And I could watch those oh. on loop all day as just sort of a, you know, yeah, serenity. It would calm you down. It would make your day better. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, I actually want to. I want to stay here and do a few minutes on this and run a question by you. So I, I had a fascinating conversation with a friend of mine, my friend Corey. He's an occasional listener to the program. If he knows that I mention his name in this, he'll for sure listen. But um, <laughs> we were we were talking the other day, and we the topic came up. When does a sport cease to become that sport for you? And what makes that happen? And this was framed in the context of basketball for both of us. But he was basically just like, if basketball is just guys like driving and kicking to the corner guy so the corner guy can shoot a three, it's not basketball to me anymore. Like, And, and we assented intellectually to like, this is still basketball for some people, but it's not basketball for me. And it's not enjoyable to watch because we grew up in this era similar to you. And, and we were talking about high post players, right? We were talking about how the 90s Bulls would have like a real plodding, unathletic big like Bill Winnington or Bill Cartwright. But they would also Luke have another Longley, big who would... Stacy King. Yeah, but just run through them. Stacy King, right. But they'd have a guy like Horace Grant, who was another big, but who would kind of work the high post like a magician. And we were both indicating that, like, yes, this is basketball to us. Like, we can, we can kill you with Michael Jordan. We can kill you with, like, the white guy who just stands on the perimeter and shoots threes. Guys like Steve Kerr and Craig Hodges, who was a black guy, but he was still aesthetically like a white guy who shot threes. Um or we could do high post stuff with Horace Grant. Like it was a certain sort of comprehensive basketball, the likes of which we don't see anymore. 
And it, it really struck me as very interesting. And I remember feeling that way about college football circa like a decade ago where it felt like college football was just like watching a guy take a shotgun snap and throw a bubble screen. And thankfully, it's kind of evolved again away from that. But basketball is at that point where it doesn't really look like basketball to me anymore, which is why your mention of KG doing this one very sublime thing, like it really resonates with me. Where are you at on that theory? I, I, yes, I totally agree. And I think basketball, basketball and football are, are the two where you see this most because mm-hmm. um, although b- baseball is running into it a little bit now too, because uh, because of math, the yeah. one shot in basketball is worth 50% more than another shot. And so because yeah. of that mathematical equation, the the game is has changed and so it does not feel yeah. at all like what we were familiar with it doesn't feel nearly as fun to watch you get to watch a lot of like the wrong guys are getting good you know yeah like it, yeah it, that kind of thing the wrong guys are being ruled out of the game uh because they they yeah. no longer have value football seems to yeah. kind of ebb and flow because like you said there was a, there was an era of like all the bubble screens but that's just because there's there's a constant innovation and then catching up so it changes that's right. and the defense catches yeah. up now you see fullbacks coming back into the league and things like that and people are like oh, oh being God. a power team yeah. actually works to our advantage sometimes uh b- yeah. baseball you're seeing it with home runs and strikeouts so many guys yeah. throw 100 miles an hour and the defensive shifts that like run scoring has become harder so more guys are striking out I don't think that's as big of a deal. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so like I, I agree with the theory in general that like, there, yeah, there are certain things, there's a tipping point with sports where you're like, this isn't the game I grew up loving, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a little bit like, I don't enjoy going to the movie theater anymore where they have the recliner seats and all that stuff. I'm like, this is not the movie theater I grew up. <laughs> I want sticky floors yeah. and slightly cramped yeah. seats and uh, yeah. to have to, you know, glare at the kid kicking my seat behind me. Um, yeah, I don't want to pay $72 yeah, right. for three tickets to go sit in mediocre recliners. Yeah, no, I, I feel that I do. Um, and, and I think, I think you're right. And it, and even with the recliner analogy, it's like, I can see where that's really pleasant for somebody. And yeah. like our kids kind of grew up in that era going to the theater where like, I don't know, you're going to see you know, Cars 2 or Toy Story 6 or whatever, everybody's in their recliner and it's kind of like you're with people, but you're not with people. Um, So it's just different. And like, I can imagine that there's a kid growing up today who gets really excited about watching Steph Curry stand in the corner and drain threes. Like, I'm just not that person. Um, It's not interesting to me. It's not fun. Um, But yeah, when the sport ceases to be the sport, and so in, in discussing this with Corey, we decided that baseball is still the most like itself in the sense that there will always be a pitcher and a hitter locked in a duel. And you could make the counter argument that baseball's gotten worse because you're either hitting a home run or striking out or whatever. But um, at the end of the day, it still has that pitcher-hitter kind of energy and to it. And baseball's always, always had those eras, you know, like... There was the yeah. dead ball era. There was the pre-integration era, which means like you should take all yeah. of Babe Ruth's stats with a massive grain of salt. There's the yeah. uh, then there's like the second dead ball era in the '60s before they lowered the mound. Like they literally changed the shape of the mound to give hitters a, exactly. a fighting chance. There's the steroid exactly. era. There's the now yeah. I, we're gonna call this like the shift in strikeout era. Maybe they're gonna call it the era of velocity yeah. or what. Like, but in in 20 years, yeah, right. they're probably gonna have outlawed the shift. Hitters are going to have figured out like, so the twins have this guy named Luisa rise who he's, he's sort of rod crew ish in like low crouch uh-huh. doesn't, he walks more than he strikes out. I think he currently leads the league in OPS without hitting yeah. for any power. Cause he just gets on base yeah. like 48% of the time. Those yeah. guys are going to be discovered to be like, Oh, they're like that. A contact hitter with a good eye is the new money ball. Because sure. they can beat yeah. they can beat velocity and they can beat the shift. So like baseball is going to yep. morph back around. It's, it is still like itself. It's just in an era that looks yeah. a certain way, but it still feels like baseball. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think as much as I adore football, it has changed. You know, of course it's changed and rules changes have made it that way. And, 
you know, the NFL is kind of constantly tinkering with like defensive rules to give an offense an advantage. And, you know, for me, like closest to home, just the fact that linebackers used to be 260 and now they're 220. Like if John Lynch is playing today, he's an inside linebacker, you know, and, and 20 years ago he was a safety. Um, you know, and that obviously has like aesthetic um, and, and sort of strategic implications for the game. I do think we'll see it evolve back the other way a little bit. And you saw New England do it some when they had a healthy fullback, you know, the, and the math was kind of, hey, if the opponent's linebackers are, you know, if it's, if it's you know, the kid from the Colts wears number 53, he's like 215 pounds, 20 years ago, he's a free safety, you know, Darius Leonard, right? We can run at Darius Leonard. Right. Um, and we can get yards doing that. Like, I do think it'll swing back the other way, but, um, but yeah, a lot of changes. All right, Pipe, let's do, uh, let's actually take a break. We'll come back. We'll do my, my quick fifth round pick and then we'll wrap it. All right, we're back, Pipe. These have been strong draft choices. Uh, I've got one for my fifth round pick. Again, we're kind of taking swings here. We're kind of doing specialists at this point. So this guy doesn't have to carry my team. This doesn't have to carry my like YouTube watching for the rest of my life. But it's a thing that harkens back to a time that I really enjoyed. And it was something that, to my shame, I emulated as a high school football player. It's Desmond Howard doing the Heisman pose in the end zone. Um, I love that you emulated that. <laughs> I did. Like the the idea of like a gumpy white guy in Indiana doing the Heisman pose in the end zone after a touchdown was just uh, I'm I'm embarrassed by that to this day. But uh, yeah, this was like my sophomore year in high school. Desmond Howard's at Michigan. This is peak Michigan, peak winged helmet, yellow pants. Michigan's teams were always amazing. They always had great players, and Desmond Howard was like this. Rocket is mile 2.0. You know, this yeah. gadget guy who would like take a jet sweep to the paint. He was returning kicks. He's catching balls. He's being overvalued by the NFL, you know, the whole thing. And when he would score, and when it became clear that he was like a runaway Heisman candidate, he would score and he'd hit this Heisman pose in the end zone for like two seconds. And me and all my like derpy high school buddies in Indiana thought this was the greatest thing ever. And my buddies were like, do it, do it. Like, dude, you got to do it when you get into the end zone. So I, I scored and I, and I did it. <laughs> Much to everyone's no, delight. No flags except on that? My coach. No flags on that celebration? Yeah, no flags. And I think in my mind's eye, I did it for multiple seconds like Desmond Howard. But in reality, I probably did it for like a half second. Like probably nobody even saw it. So um, yeah, Desmond Howard hitting that Heisman post. And, and again, you know, with the... The, the sort of advantage of the intervening years and now being in my 40s and being a communicator and realizing what it means to communicate, I look back at that now and I'm like, that was so creative. And most, <laughs> most end zone celebrations are inane and idiotic and they remind you that these guys are 20 and they're stupid. But like that one was, it was creative and it was elegant in its own way. My fifth round pick is the Desmond Howard Heisman pose in the end zone. Your thoughts? Uh, I mean, from a nostalgia standpoint, as well as like a, there was, there's a very, like you said, a very era specific thing there. Like that wouldn't feel at yeah. all creative today. It would feel derivative and arrogant. And also that guy's not a quarterback, so he's not winning the Heisman. Um, so it, yeah, it, 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 it just, it encapsulates a lot. That's of great significance. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Pipe, what a great exercise, man. This was uh, this was a super fun episode. Could, could we wrap uh, by running through? I feel like you probably have two or three more on your list. We'll call these the undrafted free yeah. agents. You know, these are these are ones that just yeah. worthy. We, we don't need to spend a lot of time on them, but I just feel like for our listeners, yeah. there's more enjoyment to be had. We're giving them that, a call after the draft. Yeah, they might, they might them make a couple the thousand bucks if they play well. Yeah, we're, we're bringing them into camp. Uh, yeah, what do you got, man? Real quick, what do you got for... Uh, UDFAs. All right, so that you're going to absolutely love this one. It is Reggie White's hump move. Oh my gosh, dude! This one, yes. this one fits the like. I did not like Reggie White. He was a Green Bay Packer for the majority of his career. He destroyed yeah. the uh, Vikings. But this this does fit the YouTube. I could watch this all day, and it is it is just watching yeah. him. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, it's hard to describe what a hunt move is. It's basically contracting your body and then exploding into the yeah. offensive tackle and watch, in Reggie White's case, watching him fly backwards two and a half yards. Um, yeah. So that's... It was, it was one of those, like, how does this work? Yeah. Like, freak of nature type moves where, yeah, you could watch it for an hour and then you could go in the yard or on the practice field and try to emulate it. And then you realize, like, my body just can't do that. Yeah. Like, I would... <clears throat> My dad was an offensive lineman when he played, and, and when I got into college and stuff, I was a D lineman. And I would try to do the Reggie White hump move on my dad. And, like, I was strong, but I couldn't do it. Like, what, for whatever reason, I just couldn't do it. And um, that made it yet more amazing. So, all right, that one dovetails with one of my very niche undrafted free agent ones. It's Joe Thomas's kick slide. I, I, so like goodness, Hall of Fame left I tackle. You were gonna have, I knew you were going to have an offensive <laughs> lineman technique in here somewhere, and I just didn't th- expect it to take this long. Yeah, so I would love to watch Joe Thomas like pass setting against Reggie White's hump move. I think that would be amazing. Like two titans of the industry, two of the best to ever do it. Um, the Joe Thomas, like so smooth, yep. so athletic. Like if you're building a left tackle in the lab, he looks like Joe Thomas, you know, long um lean but still super strong super strong hands knew when to punch when to clamp could get that back hip um joe thomas just a master i wonder what that looks like against reggie white i'd love to see it yeah that would be fun uh my my next undrafted free agent is bryce harper's swing you know may his season rest in peace this year but yeah he i don't understand how a guy swings with that much ferocity and still manages mm-hmm. to hit for a high average, lead the league in on base. And uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. I, I love watching a lot of guys hit home runs, but watching Bryce Harper swing yeah. is, is absolutely phenomenal. It's so explosive. Yeah, and this speaks to like aesthetic values of things and what makes somebody great for TV versus just great. Like I was, I was trying to explain this to a former student the other day. We were talking about boxers and... I was trying to explain why Irish Mickey Ward was a great TV fighter and not necessarily the greatest fighter, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, he, he would have never been the top of his division rankings-wise, but he was the guy that you were putting on TV because he always put on a great show, would go toe-to-toe with people, would bleed. Um, yeah, this is the aesthetics of the sport thing. I've got a real niche one here. I don't think... I don't, th- I don't think this one makes the final roster. Like, I'm bringing this draft choice or this, uh, this free agent signing into camp just to provide some culture in my clubhouse. It's offensive lines not talking to the media. So when, like, an entire offensive line group decides that for a whole season they're not talking to the media, I like this. <laughs> um, I think it's funny and cool and fun. It's very offensive line-ish. Um, I just really enjoy when I, this happens. I think it's fascinating how your draft is so psychological. You you it are is, up, you are up yeah. in athletes' heads. Uh, well, yeah. speaking of psychological, <laughs> or maybe just like psychosis, my last undrafted free agent is um, charging the mound. Oh, I love so, it. So, and it. to be clear, this yeah. is not getting hit and you know tossing your bat and throwing your arms out and talking yeah, crap yeah. to the pitcher. It is getting hit. And turning and charging the mound. <laughs> just a straight up like, you yeah. did this to me, here we go. And like n- none of this like hold me back business. Like my, This is how Robin yeah. Ventura got his face beat in by uh, Nolan Ryan. Mm-hmm. This is not a thing you see anymore because nobody wants to get suspended. But uh, charging the yeah. mound is, it, I need to bring a little fire to my team. And uh, this is it yeah. right here. Oh, I agree. This is sublime. This is a great one. The other thing I love about... <clears throat> about mound charging scenarios is like over the span of the 60 feet, six inches, sometimes you can almost see the gears turning and you can see the guy like change his mind a little bit (laughs) where like the the first 30 feet, man, he's like a bull in a China shop, you know, he's going full tilt, but then like he's starting to dial it back a little bit by the time he gets to the mound. Like it gives him just enough time to think. Um, those are always entertaining Which scenarios. is why pitchers never charging. got hurt when the mound got charged. It wasn't because they were the toughest yeah. guys in the field. I mean, some of them were, but some of them is because like yeah. this huge muscular hitters charging and then going, you know what? I should probably wrap them up around the waist instead of like putting yeah. my 
forehead in his sternum. Right. I'm not going to throw my right. I'm just going to kind of like wrap up around the waist and then trust that everybody else is going to break us up eventually. Yeah, no. Um, I, I would say just angry charging in baseball in general. Yeah. Like managers or players leaving the leaving the dugout angrily. This was awesome. Like I remember as a kid, and this is just like long languid, stupid summer days as a kid. I remember me and my buddy Mitch Warner trying to emulate like the George Brett charging out of the dugout thing where like one of us would stand at the fence and one of us would be the ump and like we're we're trying to emulate like his stride and what he looked like like charging out onto the field. It was ridiculous. That might have been the most like explosive thing George Brett, Hall of Famer George Brett ever did. Like (laughs) he came out of that and you're like, oh, if that was if if that was an edge rusher. That tackle yeah. was still in his three-point stance. Like, he came out of that dugout yeah. so fast. Yeah, like, his 10-yard split is is amazing. It's world-class. You know, and he's got the big, like, face full of chaw. Yes. Um, <laughs> just so 80s baseball, you know, uh, in every way. And, um, yeah, I love that, man. Charging of any kind. I think the closest you get now, and this, this would have probably made my undrafted list, is like baseball stare downs. It's a lot like watching Top Gun Maverick. It's just a lot of guys staring at each other and not doing anything really. But like, you get a lot of a lot of pointed staring in baseball. Well, and, I mean, um, the closest again, you get I, is that they still let people fight in hockey, which is one of the yeah. greatest. That doesn't fit in this era at all. Things. It's remarkable. Like they, they, it really the, is. The rule is still like, well, we'll break them up when they fall down. But until then, by yeah. all means, punch each other's heads. I know it. I know it. It's crazy. Yeah, where else do you see that culturally? That's that's just a lot of fun. Uh, Pipe, this draft has been a lot of fun. Uh, I think our teams are very different, but they're both really strong. Um, I think you look at our two rosters and you go, these teams are both contenders, but for completely different reasons. Uh, I like your team. I like my team. Mm-hmm. Love the exercise. Great idea. Maybe uh, maybe next step we do like old timey jobs that we've had in sports because I have I have questions about your like Vikings pro shop job. Yeah, I've got I've, and, had, I've um, had a couple jobs that are sports related. That would be a fun conversation. That would be a blast for sure. But pipe, we have uh, we've done what we always do in this program, in that we've wandered to and fro throughout some sports nostalgia, and until next time. Thank you for listening to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. Be sure to visit thehappyrant.com to check out our merchandise, learn more about upcoming live events, and listen to past episodes. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful, devotional, and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.